Spirit is upon me. Because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Come on, slap three people, high five, and say, you got to get the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Amen. All right, once again, if you don't have a pen or you need one, raise your hand. Let us get you all hooked up and, and ready to go. Amen. Well, it's so good to have... People I haven't seen in a while, Sister Kim and Courtney and her fiance, it's so good to see y'all today. And then Marco is here, of course, and so great to see Marco. And then Viviana just walked in the door from Japan. Viviana, it's so good to see you. Well, (laughs) no, so glad to see you. So. Interrupt us, interrupt us. Just come on in. Good morning, Lily. So, amen, amen. And Sandra. Hey, Sandra. (laughs) So, it's it's so good to see everybody this morning. Everybody who haven't seen you in a while, bless you. So glad you're here. All right, well, let's open up our note sheets and let's get started with the word. We are in this season, this entire year. We are focused on one thing, and that is tremendous fruitfulness, getting to the place where we're bearing more fruit in our lives. Fruit that remains. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you, I anointed you, I scheduled you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So we are here for a purpose in the year 2019. How many of you know God's got some stuff he wants to do? And if he's going to do stuff, he's going to do it through us, through his church. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we are the church of the blood bought. We are blood bought. We are, we are the church of the living God. And he has a plan and a purpose for us to do some stuff in the earth this, for all this whole year. And so we, well, as long as we're here, as long as we're alive on the earth, we have a purpose and that is to bear fruit. Why? Because he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will. And by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So we want to live connected to him, not disconnected, not half in, not half out. I got one foot, one foot in and one foot out. I'm on, you know, nobody knows what you are. Are you on or you off? Are you in or you out? Are you hot or you cold? What are you? It's time to make a decision. I just feel like the other day I just bore witness with my spirit where Moses came down from the mountain and he had the tablets and the people were all, you know, sinning and doing all kinds of stuff. And there he is fasting and getting the word of God. And he comes down like, what in the world has happened? And I feel like you better. He said, who is on the Lord's side among you? You know, we got to decide we are on the Lord's side. And I'm already way in the middle of my message, but we have to decide that, that we are the church and we need to look like the church. If we lose our saltiness, we are good for nothing. We have to look like the church. That means we have to press into the power of the Holy Spirit that he wants us to lay hold of. Amen. And he wants to anoint our lives. He wants your life to be anointed so that you can go and do the works that he decided beforehand that we should do. Amen, somebody. Glory to God. So we are focused on bearing fruit, fruit that remains. And you cannot do it absent of the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why we are on purpose. And normally we just do a four-week series. But, you know, we're breaking that box and we're going to stay parked right here on the Holy Spirit till we are, we are a new church, until we change the culture of this church. This seeker-sensitive business is not of God. People need to see the supernatural. They need to see the power of God. They need to know that they've been in the presence of God. We need to tarry in his presence until he shows up and does something miraculous. Until he shows up and changes us from the inside out. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of church as usual. I am ready to to come in here and, and, and see the miraculous power of God move. And that means that we all on one accord need to be pressing in to understanding these gifts and these things that he's given to the church so that we can have knowledge to operate in them. We won't operate outside of uh, decency and order. Amen? So we, wanna, we don't want to be so ordered that we've ordered him out, which is what we've done. But we want to we just th- th- throw the chains off, break this box, and let God come in and do a work in us. You know, 
as we move to another level in God, you know, things change. Things are different. God, God needs to do something. He wants to do something different in your life, something bigger than he's ever done before. See, if you're on repeat, you ain't never going to the next level. If everything is the same, it's always the same. Oh, I got this, God. Well, you got this because you're not stretching up to something higher. You got to stretch up to something higher. I want God to use me. I want healing to flow through my hands. I want to see the miraculous, supernatural power of God. He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So come on, let's do it, y'all. Let's make a decision. We, the Acceleration Church is going to be different than any other church in the world. God is going to be free to move in this place. Amen. And as we go out of this place, it's not just about what happens in here. That's only a couple of hours on Sunday. If I can squeeze that out of y'all without y'all getting an attitude or a sore bottom. You know, I'm talking about when you leave here, you are entering your mission field. Because it's, 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 it's the believer's right to walk in the supernatural. It's not for the pastors. It's for, for the pastors and apostles and, and, uh, and, and teachers and evangelists. Um, uh, for us, it's to, to raise you up, yeah. to equip you to do the work of the ministry. He's given you a pastor to raise you up so you can do the work of the ministry. Say, I have a ministry. So you, when you go out, you are coming in contact with people. It's up to you to pray with people who are sick. Pray, pray with people to receive Christ. Pray with people to receive the Holy Spirit. It's up to us to do that. So I'm here to raise you up and make you into something you've never been before. Amen. And, and I'm telling you, we've got, this is week number 30. So we got, what, 22 weeks left? We got 22 weeks of, of, of this year left. It's more than halfway over. So let's get to it. Let's get to it. Amen. Hallelujah. Open up your note sheet and let's look. All right. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Number one, we should seek to understand and cultivate the gifts of the Spirit in our lives and our church. So cultivate is your first, is your first um, blank. And really it's not so much about cultivating as it is maturing. Maturing. You know, we have to mature in God. And that's as we allow the word to change us. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Man, the Holy Spirit convicted me this week so gently, so sweetly, because I usually could just watch anything on television. It don't bother me. But I am so pressing into him and pressing into his word that I got ready to put it on something the other day, like on, I don't know, HBO or something. God said, what are you putting that trash in for? That's like pouring poison on your roots and still expecting to bear good fruit. You ever sprayed Roundup on something? Maybe that's how some of us look in the spirit after, you know, 20 hours of TV or, or social media. We can't bear the fruits of God like that. He's like, you know, shut that trash off and listen to some word. I'm like, okay, God, I'm the pastor, but okay, yeah, I will. Amen. So, so you know, allow the Holy Spirit to convict you and redirect your habits every single day. Amen. So it has to be cultivated. I got to get a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. I've been uh, studying about Smith Wigglesworth because he had so many signs and wonders and miracles in his life. I told you last week about, you know, um, 14 documented times. He snatched a corpse out of the casket and put it against the wall and told it to live and it lived. Documented stuff. He told a man with no legs, just stumps to go buy a pair of shoes. And when he had the woman looked at him like, what? He's like, yeah, I want a size eight in black, please. And when he went to put his foot, his stump in that shoe, a leg and a foot grew out. And, and, and he did that, that, that wasn't enough. He wasn't going to just hop around. He put his foot in the in, or stump in the next one and a leg grew out on that side. Y'all yeah. ain't got to believe me if you don't want to. Go look it up. This stuff is documented. Wow. So I've been studying his life. And I read where um, Lester Summerall, who was a preacher who was uh, uh, quite a bit younger than he was, went to Smith Wigglesworth's house. He had invited him over. So he knocks on the door. Smith Wigglesworth opens the door and he said, what's up? And the guy's standing there. Now, he's been invited there, but he's standing there with a newspaper under his arm, an umbrella over the other arm. He's got his hat on his head, and he's like, he's, he, said, um, he said, what's that under your arm? He said, this is my newspaper. He said, you're not bringing it in my house. He said, leave it out there. Smith Wigglesworth could not read. He, was, he had a third grade level education. His wife, Polly, taught him how to read the Bible. He never read another word on anything else for his whole life. He wouldn't allow newspapers in his house. He's like, you're not bringing that in my house. We only read the word of God in my house. Amen. So he would sit down with this young man. He said, he said I've just been reading the word. Come, come now, let's read the word. So he sat down and he read the word aloud for 30 minutes. And he said, let's pray. 
And they got on their knees and he said, we prayed for another 30 minutes. And then he said, we sat down and we read for another 30 minutes. He said, and then we prayed for another 30 minutes. And then by this time, it was time to go into lunch. And he said, after they had lunch, he said, he laid his hands on me and prayed for the power of God to come on me that was on his life. And, and by this time, I've kneeled and I've prayed and I've, I've, I've prayed and I've read the word and I'm, I'm tired. After two and a half hours, he was tired. And so as he got ready to leave, you know, he was out of there. But he said, he got about halfway home and he said, wait a minute, something's different. Something's different. The power of God has come on me. I'm not the same person I was a few minutes ago. So, so you see the habits that he had? He didn't allow trash into his mind. Your eye gates, your ear gates, what are you listening to? It does matter. You don't have any business listening to rap. Your life is too tore up to listen to rap. Amen. You need to be listening to the word of God. So he had habits that, that produced the anointing in his life. So it was cultivated. The gifts were cultivated. You st- he studied to know what they were. So we have to study to know what they are. Look what it says, 1 Corinthians 12. 1. Now about the spiritual gifts, the special endowments of supernatural energy. Brethren, I do not want you to be misinformed. So God doesn't want us to be misinformed. And there are special endowments of supernatural energy God wants us to be walking in. Uh, verse 1 in the message translation says, what I want to talk about now is the various ways God's spirit gets worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Okay, 14.1, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments or gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So he said, would you underline the first two words, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this. Now he's saying to seek to acquire this love because he says in first Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm nothing. Though I give my body to be burned, but I don't have love. It it profits me nothing. Though I give all I have to the poor and, and I don't have love, I've done nothing. I'm still a nobody though. I know all mysteries. I have knowledge and wisdom so that I know all mysteries. There's not one thing in the world that's hidden from me. I know it all, but I don't have have love so what so he's saying you got to eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love we're right now in first corinthians 14 1 he's just he's just written first corinthians 13 uh, the love chapter about love is patient and love is kind and and how we need we need love in our lives so he's saying make it your aim your great quest and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments especially that you may prophesy. So they have to be cultivated. Um, chapter 12, verse 7 through 11, it says, But the manifestation, here are the gifts. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, to another faith. Now these first, these first three gifts are really gifts of revelation. There's nine gifts, and they're, they're separated into three different categories. The first category is revelatory gifts where he gives you a word of knowledge, something there's no way you should know, but God just drops something on you. Or he drops wisdom for a situation, how to handle something. Jesus always walked in wisdom. They were always trying to trick him up. And he'd say, okay, you, you throw the first stone if you're without sin. He would just lay some wisdom on them that would lay them all out. So God drops that same kind of wisdom on us, amen? And then a word of knowledge, something that, that, that you couldn't have known without the power of God. And then faith, supernatural faith. These are revelatory gifts. God gives you faith. It's sort of a revelation that you can do something that other people are saying, I, I don't see how this is going to work. Like Peter getting out of the boat. Lord, if this is you, call me to you. Amen. All right? And then now, look, these are the wonder-working gifts. We're moving today into the wonder-working gifts. I'm so excited. It says, to another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. These are the gifts like starting with prophecy and discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Those are gifts that, well, discerning of spirits, I guess, would go along with, uh, with the uh, uh, gifts of, of, of miracles and that type of thing so that you, you're able to discern. It's even a revelatory gift. They all are like chains. They're all hooked together. It's kind of like you can't operate in one without operating in the other. But the interpretation of tongues, but it's the same spirit 
that works all these things, distributing to each one individually as, his, as he wills. So the last three are for encouragement. When we get a word of, of tongues in the church where someone speaks in tongues and someone else uh, interprets it, that's God speaking to the church. If that don't build you up, Nothing will. I don't know about you, but I want to hear from God. Yeah. I want to hear individually, and I want to hear in the, in, in my bro- in, with my brothers and sisters. I want to hear what God's got to say to us. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So we're moving into these gifts. We are, we are changing the landscape of this church, the culture of this church. We're changing it. All right, number two, let's look at the gift of healing. The price for healing has been paid. So it's, all, it's already done. It's a done deal. Healing is already done. We watched this video during worship this morning. How many of you know it's a done deal? He already did it. He already took the stripes for our healing. Sickness and death entered mankind in the Garden of Eden when mankind disobeyed. Sin and death and sickness entered at that time. So we were never meant to have the knowledge of good and evil. We were never supposed to be acquainted with evil. How many of you know sickness is evil? It's horrible. So um, here's the good news. Jesus paid in full the debt that we owed for sin. Isn't it great that we got good news? That when somebody is sick, we got good news. Good news is that he already paid the price for our healing. So um, John 19, 28 through 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. Here he is hanging on the cross. He said several things from the cross, but this is the final words that he says before he bows his head and gives up his spirit. He said, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, because it says in in, in, uh, Psalms that this would happen, it was already prophesied. So when this was done, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So that word, it is finished, in in the Greek, it's one word, tetelestai, which means completion. It is finished. To bring to an end. It means to accomplish. It means the debt is paid in full. And this is what I love about studying the word of God. I've known that for a long time, but it still blesses my heart every time I know that Jesus said it's finished. It's a done deal. It's I've accomplished the work that the Father sent me here to do. I've done it. It's, It's mankind is put back right. Amen. But here's what I love about studying the word of God. Something else was opened up to me last night as I was studying this. In the what tense this is. Tetelestai, what is the tense? Is it past tense? Is it future tense? Is it present tense? It's called the perfect tense in the Greek, which means it's an action that has been completed in the past with results continuing into the present. Woo, that's good news. (laughs) It was finished in the past, but it's continuing into the present. Oh my gosh, that's so good. So it doesn't just say this happened. The person, the perfect tense says this happened and it's still in effect today. Isn't it good news? Turn and slap your neighbor high five and say it's still in effect. All right, Isaiah 53, 5, what does it say? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needed to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. He's a wonderful Jesus, isn't he? He's a wonderful Jesus to take that upon him. So he didn't have to do it, but he did. He's a wonderful Jesus. So number two, what was number one? The price has been paid. It's finished. Amen. What is, what is it? It has been paid. The number two. His promise to heal us is forever settled in heaven. It is forever settled. Look at Psalm 119, 89 through 90. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. That means healing has got to be for our generation. Don't let anybody lie and tell you. Like Don't don't let some narrow-minded Baptist come and tell you that healing died away with the apostles. The devil is a lie and so are you. Healing is for every generation. 
Your faithfulness endures to this generation. Look at Hebrews 6, 17 through 18. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, a rock solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. I'm trying to get you to be convinced in your mind that God is, has already healed us and that healing belongs to us and that God's not going to change his mind about it. Hallelujah. Hebrews 6, 13 says, when God made his promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt, putting his own reputation on the line. So healing, that means that God's reputation is on the line. When we step up to heal, that means it's not our reputation. I'm doing what the book says. I'm doing what the Bible says. So it's on God. I just got to make sure I do my part. Hallelujah. All right. So number three, healing the sick is a supernatural sign that should follow believers. Amen. You know, we use our faith, you know, to get through situations, to learn how to be victorious when you're going through. We know that. We have studied that for so many years that if you can't get a victory, I, you just need to go back and listen to any sermon I preach because it has been in almost every, every sermon I preach. Why? Because I've had to go through some stuff. But here I stand. I know how to be victorious. I know how to use my faith. But I'm telling you, God wants us to use our faith to, to, to give him glory, to show that he is a supernatural God. He wants us to draw on the faith of God so that people can be healed, people can be set free, to know that he is a good God. If people are going to know that, they're going to know it through us. Are we not his hands extended? Y'all better come on and get with me this morning. Don't make me have to preach this hard. Look at, look at Mark 16, 17 through 18. It says, and these signs might follow those who believe. In my name, underline that, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. That doesn't mean we're going to drink poison Kool-Aid in here. That means that if you're an evangelist and somebody gives you a cup of water and it's tainted or it's got some amoebas in it or whatever, it will not by any means harm you. We walk in faith knowing that that's true. Amen? All right. It doesn't mean um, that we're going to start handling snakes in church either. It doesn't mean we're going to uh, praise God. No snakes in church. Praise the Lord. But... It says, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Yeah. Now, can we read that in concert together? Go. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is a sign and a testing sign that will follow a believer. How many believers do we have in here today? You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a supernatural sign, a special endowment of supernatural energy that he gives us that we lay hands on the sick. And what we do, there's a transfer of power that goes through our hands. I'll never forget um, um, my first pastor's wife, Sandra Riley. She, she was down in South America for, uh, 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 they were going down South America to preach and to Preach the word of God. And her husband, my pastor, was praying for people, for praying for backs over here. And this little girl came up with a withered hand. She had one hand that was shorter than the other. And she said, honey, I need your help. I need your help with this one. He said, I'm praying for backs right now. You got to do this yourself. And so she's like, it's just you and me, Jesus. And so she put her hands on the little girl's hand. And she said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And she looked, she looked away to go to the next person, and she looked back because she heard people gasp just in time to see that little girl's hand grow out, just in time to see it. And it was just because she said, it's just you and me, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Oh, I feel God right now. I feel God right now. I'm telling you, this is, where, this is where God wants us to be. We are right in the perfect will where he wants us to be. He wants us to lay hands on the sick. The greatest outpouring, as I've been studying Smith Wigglesworth, Smith, Smith Wigglesworth, um, shortly before he died, went to his great-granddaughter and told her, he said, there are revivals that are coming after I leave. I won't see them, but you all will. He said, there's a revival that, that's coming after the war, and there was a revival after the war. There's a great charismatic movement that is coming. And there was the great charismatic movement. He said, and then I see people going to church with their pens and their paper and their Bibles. This was the word of faith movement. He said, but let me tell you, on, 
after that, there is a revival that is coming that is going to turn the world upside down. When God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, he said, I'm telling you, if I told you how great it was going to be, you still couldn't imagine and believe how great this end time revival is going to be. And I declare that we are there. We are right on the very threshold of it. It is time to step over into it. It's up up to a generation to wrestle that thing down out of heaven. I declare the latter rain in abundance is for our generation. Amen. I'm not, wait, I'm not waiting for some next generation to get it. I'm going to pull on heaven. The kingdom of heaven suffers violent and the violent take it by force. I'm wrestling that thing down. God, come on for my generation. Hallelujah. I don't want to be one that just passes it off to the one that doesn't. No, I want it to be me. I've stood through hell for a long time, God. I want to see your glory. I want to see your power manifest. Hallelujah. And it's through believers. It's people just like us. We just got to catch it. It's a, it's, it's a spiritual thing. We are spiritual people. And this is a spiritual manifestation. It's not flesh. James 5.14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for who? The elders of the church. Not the pastors. Elders. Those that have been grown up. Those who have gone through firm foundation. Uh, leadership development. Ministry development. Or maybe you just got here, got saved, and you believe it. Hey, come on. Lay hands on somebody or anoint them with oil. I don't care who you are. Rise up and start to do what he said you could do. Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And a prayer of faith says, I've got it right now. A prayer of faith is not say, oh, Lord, would you please heal this person? No, he already bore the stripes. It's already done. We command it to be so because it's already so. Amen. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And look at it in the Amplified. The earnest Heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So look, it's like dynamite on a person when I pray for this sick. The power of God hits them. When I do my part, God does his part. You better back up and watch because the power of God is about to hit this person. You got to go with such an expectation. The prayer of faith it says, I'm in expectation for God to do something. Hallelujah. The Lord will raise them up. We got to believe this stuff. When Jesus sent out the 12, he said this in Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick. He didn't say pray for the sick. He said heal them. There's a difference. Oh, Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask you to heal this person. God has already done it. He asked for us to just back it up. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, now freely give. That's when he sent out the 12. Now look here when he sent out the 70. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Number four, Jesus said that believers would do the same work that he did. What did Jesus do? He he grabbed up some dirt from the ground, spit on it, made a clay, stuck it in a man's eyes who was blind, and created eyeballs in the man. He he told a paralytic, get up, pick up your bed, and go home. The man said, okay, and got up, picked up the bed, and walked. He told him what he wanted him to do. Amen. He healed the sick. And so... All right, if that's what Jesus did, that's what we're going to do. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Hallelujah. All right, John 14, 12 through 14, look what he says. Most assuredly, I say to you, would y'all underline that? Jesus is saying, look, don't get this twisted. I'm telling you the truth right here. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, oh, look, there it is. This is for believers. This is for believers, not for the pastors, the prophets, the apostles and teachers and evangelists. It's not for them. It's for all of us. But he is saying here, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Woo, this is some good stuff today. We're getting our buckets full today, y'all. 
All right, number three. I've been studying John G. Lake, and he had a great healing ministry in Spokane, Washington. He had what was called healing rooms, and people would come in and go into those healing rooms, and uh, someone would go in and pray with them, and people would, it was like a hospital, but all they did was pray. And anoint people with oil and lay hands on them in the name of Jesus and command the, the spirit of infirmity to get off of them and command healing to come. Some people like, like one guy, he said he, he was terminally ill with cancer. You could tell he only had maybe, maybe week, maybe weeks to live. Color was bad and everything. He had a stomach cancer and couldn't eat, so he was very thin. And he said, we prayed for him for 10 days straight and we, heart, we didn't see any change in him for 10 days straight. But after 10 days, his color changed. And, and, and after a few more days, he began to, to gain some weight. And after a few more days, he began to be better until the man was completely healed. Now, would we give up after three days if we didn't see anything? He said, we prayed for 10 days. For 10 days, we prayed and didn't see any difference. They continued to pray for the man. Jesus prayed for somebody one time who was blind. He said, well, can you see? He said, well, I see men like trees walking around. He said, well, we ain't through yet. And he prayed for the man again until he got his vision. So he could see clearly. Amen. So sometimes it's a process. They shall recover. They shall recover and the Lord will raise them up. So we just be, we'd have to be faithful to do our part and let God do his part. So these are the 15 divine healing secrets of John G. Lake. Are y'all ready? We're going to hit them fast. Hit them fast. All right. Number one, destroy all strongholds concerning sickness and God's healing power. All strongholds. So what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a mental thought pattern or a custom that's erected against the knowledge of God or his promises. Like, for instance, healing died out with the apostles. That's a lie that they say in, in other denominational churches is that healing's not for today. It was only for back then to get the church started. Well, I'm telling you, the church wouldn't still be going if that was true. He would not give power to one generation and not give it to another. That would make him a, a respecter of persons. So you got to bring down that stronghold in your mind and open your heart to receive the scriptures of God and faith for it. Or sickness, this sickness is teaching, God is teaching me a lesson through this sickness. That's a lie. Why would God put his son through all that if he was going to use it to teach us a lesson? That is nothing but a lie from the devil. Or God can't use me to heal the sick because I'm not a pastor or a minister. See, that's something you've set up in your mind. I'm just a nobody. God likes to use nobodies. <laughs> it's exactly who he wants to use. Or some people hold on to sickness because it becomes their identity. That's a stronghold. If you set up in your mind and that has become your identity, it's my diabetes, my arthritis, my high blood pressure. That's your, that's your identity. And you take the medicine and all that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with taking the medicine. Take the medicine. But I'm saying it becomes your identity. If you want to be healed from it, ask God to heal you. He said, let it be done unto you according to your faith. If you can believe, all things are possible if you can just believe. Hallelujah. I'm preaching us up this morning. Glory to God. So we study God's word and we meditate on it rather than these strongholds. And you bring every stronghold down. Amen. Every stronghold to the obedience of Christ. You take those thoughts captive and you begin to renew your mind in the word of God. We're transformed as we renew ourselves in the word of God. As we renew our minds, we're transformed. I become somebody different. I was a person who doubted before, but right now I got faith. You better watch out. I, I'm, I'm, I'm scary. Amen. Amen. So uh, ex uh, Exodus uh, fifteen twenty six. for I am the Lord who heals you. In other words, my name is Jehovah Rapha. I am Je the Lord who heals is Jehovah Rapha. You are the, he is the Lord who, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that heals your body. There's no sickness you can have that he can't heal. Not anything. So any, any stronghold in your mind that says, oh, well, cancer is terminal. I can't, I can't heal that. Or AIDS is terminal. I can't heal that. So you have, to, you have to bring that stronghold down and say, no, God can do anything. He can heal it. I am the Lord that heals everything. He doesn't say I'm the Lord who heals everything but cancer. Amen. Or a certain kind of cancer. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Hallelujah. So bring out any stronghold that, that you would think in your mind that, that you've set up that says that, that you've put God in a box. Get him out of the box. Psalm 103, 2 through 5. Let, let, all that I, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Now what does that leave out? 
Nothing. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Glory to God. I don't even need Botox. Amen. Number two, recognize sickness and disease as an enemy. It's an enemy. Sickness and disease is an enemy. He, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Last time I checked my Bible, he's the adversary. He's the devil. He's the enemy. He, 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 is, he is bad. Wicked. He is the enemy. And so if he's the one who's bringing sickness, then this sickness is of him. It's not of God. It's, it's an enemy. So you've got to see sickness as an enemy. Luke 13, 11 through 13. And behold, there was a woman who had a... Help me preach, y'all. She had a what? She had a spirit of infirmity. A spirit of sickness. A spirit of sickness. 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. For 18 years, all she could see was feet and dirt and street and floor and dirty floor and bugs and snakes and whatever is down there. And for 18 years, but in one moment with Jesus... The healing power of God. She's, their bones began to crack. And that spirit of infirmity. She's carrying this spirit of sickness around on her back. It had woven itself in through her vertebrae and her muscles. Anybody ever had a, a place in your spine where you felt like, oh my gosh, that just hurts. Or you're just a, a, a muscle spasm in the back there. I mean, imagine 18 years and then you can't raise yourself up. So everything is really spasming. And you, 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 can't, you can't raise up. Imagine. In a moment, that devil jumped off her. All he had to say is, you are loosed from your infirmity. Laid his hands on her and pow. It was over. But see, Jesus had a mindset that all things are possible. Amen. Hallelujah. So recognize that it's, that it's an enemy. Jesus saw the devil come in on her back. Come here. Come here. Make your way to the front. Whoo, Infirmity. A spirit of infirmity, a spirit of infirmity means disease, sickness, a weakness, a feebleness of mind or body. My God, do we live in a generation where we need to be healed in our minds, where we need to be healed in our emotions. How many people are locked up in, in depression or in anxiety or in panic attacks? Come on, that's a spirit. It's a spirit. First Timothy 1.7, anxiety and panic attacks, it has its roots in a spirit of fear. For God is not given... Us, a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. A spirit of fear. See, all of those emotional issues that we have, it comes from a spirit. Fear is a spirit. Cast it off and you, and you probably can throw away the medicine. Don't throw it away until you see a difference. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 61.3. The garment of praise for the... Spirit of heaviness. You mean depression is a spirit? Depression is a spirit. Heaviness. The spirit of heaviness. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. All right. Then number three. Y'all ready for number three? Get fed up. Get fed up. Decide anywhere I see sickness, I will crush it. You got to say it with your Russian voice. Anywhere I see sickness, I will crush you. I am here to crush you. I will crush you. Everybody do with your, do, do with your Soviet voice. Ready? I will crush you. Good. Amen. I'm going to crush it. I will, look, I'm here to enforce Jesus' victory. Yeah, I'm fed up with this. I'm not going to put up with this. Notice people who are sick. Decide that I am an enforcer. I'm about to enforce what Jesus did. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on now. The greater one is on the inside of you. And all you got to do is just rise up in it and handle your business. So keep demonstrating your faith even if you don't see anything happen. The first time you lay hands on somebody and you feel like maybe something doesn't happen, you know what? Don't let that deter you laying your hands on the next person. Because it, it, it might not happen the way you think it's going to happen. Who is that in the Bible that, that the, the, the prophet, oh, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. Can't think of his name. Where he had leprosy, Naaman. Naaman. Naaman had leprosy. And the man of God said, okay, tell him to go. He didn't even go out and talk to him himself. He said, go t tell him to go wash in the Jordan. Dip seven times in the Jordan and he'll be healed. 
Well, he caught an attitude and started to leave. I'm not about to get in that muddy water. And what does he think dissing me like that? He can't even come out here. I thought he would come and wave his arm over me and speak some words and make some big dramatic thing. He just told me to go wash in the Jordan. He almost missed his miracle. He said, well, what I got to lose? And he went and he dipped seven times. When he came up the seventh time, his skin looked like a brand new baby. So sometimes things are not going to happen the way you think they're going to happen or the way the person thinks they're going to happen, but he, they shall recover. I may not see anything right now, but devil, you got to go. You must obey my voice. Hallelujah. Let's, get, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. All right, so get fed up. Um, all right, and remember, do your part and trust God that he'll do his part. I'm doing my part by laying hands, and then God's going to do his part with the supernatural power, okay? Um, it's his reputation on the line. Make yourself of no reputation. If I don't see anything, it's not my reputation. It's God's reputation. It's in his word, all right? Number four, treat all sickness the same. Don't categorize it. Don't say, oh, well, this is a cold or this is a headache. This is no big deal. Um, this is cancer, so uh, maybe, you know, don't categorize, categorize sickness. All sickness is the same. It's sickness and it's all from the enemy. So don't categorize it. Um, so Jesus treated, treated the, the lame man by the pool the same as he did to Lazarus. Get up. Lazarus who has been dead four days and a man who's alive laying by a pool. There's a big difference there, right? But Jesus treated them both the same way. He said, get up, Lazarus, come forth. He told them what he wanted them to do. Oh, I'm preaching so good this morning. I can hardly stand it. Number five, talk to sickness like a person. Talk to sickness just like as if you were talking to a person. Tell it what you want it to do. Sickness, go now. You ain't got to raise your voice. You really don't have to raise your voice. But say, say it with authority, knowing who you are and what God's told you to do. Look, diabetes, you get from here now, and I forbid you to return. Tell it what you want it to do. Tell it what you want it to do. Tell it what you want, knowing that it must obey you. Behold, I give unto you power, Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. So he gives you power to talk to stuff and tell it what you want it to do. Woo, that's good. So talk to it like it's a person and tell it what you want it to do. Say recovery, come now. Healing, come now in Jesus' name. Number six, command instead of beg. We don't beg, we have authority. We don't beg, we command. Paul said, I pled with the Lord three times. Let this thorn in the flesh, let it depart from me. He said, I prayed three times that the Lord would take it away. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, why are you coming and asking me for something I've already given you? My grace is sufficient. Rise up out of that thing, Paul. Ha, 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 ha. He said, use my grace, Paul. Tell it to go. Tell it what you want it to do. Anyone with a key does not have to beg a door to be opened or closed. Y'all going to get that tonight sometime. Anybody who's got a key doesn't have to beg somebody or knock on the door for it to be open. You can open it yourself. You just need to take the keys that he's already given you. We have the keys of the kingdom of God. He said, behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You got the keys. You ain't got to beg. Just go on and handle business. Lock it down or open it up. It's up to you. Number seven, speak to the problem. Speak to the problem, not to others about the problem. See, we want to get on Facebook and get people to feel sorry for us. Or we, or we want to call somebody and tell them how bad the situation is. Or you just prayed for somebody and you spoke to it and told it what you wanted to do. But now you got to call Nene and tell her, girl, that boy is sick. <laughs> Man, I ain't never seen him. There was foam coming out of his mouth. He, 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 mm, mm. It almost scared me. But you know, I'm such a warrior with God, you know. Then why are you calling Nene? Why are you digging up what you just said and creating with your words something you don't want? So don't talk to other people about the negative things. Don't walk out and shake your head. Stay in faith. 
Stay in faith. Once you speak over it, don't come out of agreement with the word and come in agreement with what you saw. Hallelujah. So speak to the problem, but don't talk about the problem. Look, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So the mountain's going to move. Death and life, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. It's going to be some good fruit. Hallelujah. I'm speaking life and not death. Glory to God. All right, number eight. See the sick as oppressed prisoners of war. Oppressed. What does it mean to be oppressed? It means cruel or unjust treatment or restraints. How many of you know sickness or injury or disease? I mean, injury is included in in who we heal. You know, there was a boy, Paul went long preaching. Don't say, don't say a word. Paul went a long time preaching, and the boy sitting in the window fell asleep and fell out the window and died. That's right. But Paul went out there and got him and raised him from the dead. Yes, Amen. So somebody who's, who's injured, been in a car wreck, whatever the situation is, we got the goods. Come on, come on, Amen. So we see them as prisoners of war. So we're in a war. People are oppressed by the enemy, and God has sent us here to be the ones to open the doors and usher them out. Look at Luke 4, 18 through 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What is the gospel? Good news. I got good news. (laughs) You are healed from your infirmity. Amen? He is uh, to, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, those who are oppressed, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Hallelujah. So number nine, this is a good one. Get clean and stay clean. There's a real scary scripture in the Bible that I'm not sure that you're aware of yet. I'm not sure the the, um, exact address, but it's coming to my mind right now. If we sin willfully after we've received Christ, there no longer remains a sacrifice for our sins. It says that we've counted the blood of of the covenant a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. So we can't, we can't have bitter water and clean water at the same time. I cannot have a life that's full of sin. And now we, we, we will mess up, but it's on accident, right? And if I do something that offends God, it hurts my heart. I'm, I'm, I hate that I've, that I've grieved the Holy Spirit by something that I did that I knew that was wrong. But it's when we get sin in our lives that we are comfortable with. It becomes an iniquity. We no longer care what anybody thinks. We, we no longer care. So iniquity, when we get to the place where we are living in sin but coming to church, you're not going to have the power of God. Amen. We have to clean up our lives. And I believe that this revival that we're, that, we're, that we're asking God for will come on the heels of great repentance, a great turning back to God. Because the church looks an awful lot like the world at this point. We are not the world. We are different from the world. We are not like them. But we're called, to, he said, come out from among them and be separate. Come out and be separate. You're the chosen generation, the royal priesthood. You're not like the world, so we can't live like the world. Amen? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You ought to be listening to two hours of the word a day. Two hours. In fact, I challenged everybody last week. Come on, listen for the next month. Let's listen to two hours of of the word a day. Can I get a few more amens? Two hours of the word a day. Think where your faith would be. Number 10, stay out of pride. Every believer should be manifesting the healing, healing the sick. So let's just say you, you lay hands on somebody, they get healed. All of a sudden you think, worldwide ministry, praise the Lord. I'll help you. I'll help you go do your worldwide ministry. But don't get puffed up and full of pride. Everybody should be doing this. Everybody should be healing the sick. Amen? All right, so stay out of pride. Number 11, be aggressive. 
Develop your aggressiveness. Be bold. The righteous are bold as a lion, right? Amen. Smith Wigglesworth was very aggressive when he healed the sick. I'm not saying any of you should do this. You better do what God tells you to do. And that's what he would say. Can I do what God is telling me to do? And they'd say, yes, sir. Somebody came forward in the healing line. It was a woman who had cancer, and she, she was um, very ill with the cancer. They had to sort of prop her up and carry her to the front. And she, as she stood there in front of him, he said, will y'all do what I ask you to do? They said, yes. He said, let her go. They let her go, and she fell to the floor. Everyone was horrified that this poor woman had fallen to the floor. He said, pick her, pick her up. So they picked her up. He said, now let her go again. Let her go again. She fell to the floor. Everybody's like, ugh, the gasp was even worse the second time. This poor woman has fallen to the floor twice. He said, pick her up. Picked her up again. He did it a third time. And you would think, uh, give up. But when they picked her up off the floor the third time, the fourth time, actually, the cancer was laying on the floor and she was standing up on her own two feet. So he was aggressive about it. Amen. And when he would be aggressive like that, it was because he was addressing that demonic spirit of cancer. You foul, demonic, wicked, hateful spirit of cancer. Get off her in the name of Jesus. You got to be aggressive about it. Be aggressive. Amen. Romans. Oh, Hebrews 9, 26. Get clean. Hebrews 10, 26. Y'all look that up because it'll tighten you right up. So stay out of pride. Be aggressive. Romans 1, 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel of Christ is not only that Jesus died for our sins. He took stripes on his back so that we could be healed. So don't be ashamed of the fact that he said he wants to heal people. Why are we timid? Don't be timid. I'm bold as a lion. Jesus said I would do this if it causes this person to know God. Or at least at the very least they know that I cared. Or that God cared through me. Amen. Amen. So be aggressive. 2 Timothy 1.6 Therefore I remind you to stir up, fan to flame, rekindle the embers of the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Fan him to flame. Get, make sure that your fire is burning when you leave every day. Amen? Number 12. Be led by God's character and nature. Be led by God's character and nature. God's character is love. His nature is love. His character is holiness and love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm just a bunch of noise. So I got to live by 1 Corinthians 13. It doesn't matter if I have the gifts, if I don't have God's heart of love. Every time Jesus got ready to do something, he would be moved with compassion. As he stood outside Lazarus' grave, it says, Jesus wept. Jesus, he was about to do something great. He was moved with compassion. So we have to allow the compassion of God. We cannot shut our eyes and be like um, the, the, the two that passed by the, the, where the Good Samaritan stopped and helped the man. The two passed by on the other side. We have a tendency to not see people who are in a wheelchair. I don't want them to be embarrassed. I, don't want, I just want to smile and let them know, hey, you know, and keep on walking. Wouldn't it be great if you'd be the one to get them up? You got to stop and get involved and be bold and say, thus says the Lord, rise up. So we can't, we can't, we cannot, even when a person, like I saw the other day, a person laying in the street in the median and he was like rolling around like this in the very street. Cars are like coming this close to him on all three sides. And he's laying there like high out of his mind on drugs or something. I'm like, how did we get to be a people that we could just drive by a human being like this? And we think they're not going to do anything. They must want to be homeless. Or they must like being crazy. They must like being on drugs. Well, we have the power in our hands to say, be delivered and come out in Jesus' name. To be like the demoniac. He was clothed and in his right mind and went and preached to ten cities. Amen. We have the power to, to, to help people up and out of these situations. So compassion and love. Love says, I want to get involved. Love says, I care. I notice them. Jesus, if you were here, that's who you'd be going to. So I'm your, I'm your body. I'm the body of Christ. I'm going. I, yes, I'll go. But we've seared ourselves. We're seared. We're seared. Where we don't even feel it anymore. I need to feel it, God. When I see someone like that, I need to feel it. 
I'm not waiting for some feeling to do it. You know, I, I, I do it because your word says so, but I need that compassion. God, bring it back to me. Bring back your compassion and your love. Let it live big in my heart. Number 13, accept responsibility for your fellow, fellow man. We pretty much just talked all about that. But accept responsibility. The, the good Samaritan got personally involved with his money. He put him on his own animal. Yes, he did. He paid the, he said, here, let me pay for him to stay a few days. He said, and whatever else he racks up, whatever kind of bill, he said, I'll come and pay for it. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. So accept responsibility for your, for your fellow man. Um, TJ is in uh, a place where he can get his life together now. TJ, who's, you know, the big guy is a member of our church, Allison's boyfriend, her boo. Um, he went to a, a rehab place on Monday. I took him. Was it Monday or Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. I took him on Tuesday. And uh, he got a, a kidney stone, and they had to take him to the ER like a, like a couple days ago. And the guy called me, and he said, listen, I hate to ask you this, but he needs a prescription and we don't have the money to pay for his prescription. Do you think someone would, maybe his mom or someone would be willing? I said, I'm willing. I'll do it. Uh, he said, well, can you send me a money order? I'm like, how can we, can I pay for it on the phone with my, with my card? And, and he said, I don't think so. I think you have to send a money order. I said, you know what? How about if I just bring you cash? How about that? So I had to drive a long way out of my way to go take cash so TJ can have his prescriptions. But look, I'm taking responsibility for my fellow man. I could say I'm the pastor. I'm too busy. I got a lot going on today. I got to see an electrician. But you know what? If I neglect the body of Christ or people who need love, who need God's hands extended, what the heck am I building a building for? It's about the people. Number 14, decide to follow the Bible and not some feeling. Stop waiting to get a goosebump to lay hands on somebody. I don't need a goosebump. All I need is, a, is, is the word. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. All I need to hear is go. And he's already given me a go. So, hey, I'm not waiting on something. I'm not waiting on a feeling. I'm not waiting to get that loving feeling or a jerk or a twitch or anything like that. I'm just doing it because he said to. Hallelujah. Psalm 107:20. he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Now look at this. When you go and you do it, it's as if God has just sent his word to that person. Yeah. Look at this. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. He sent you to send his word to heal people. Yeah. I never looked at that scripture like that before. But that's good. Number 15, know that God is with you and for you. You are not laying hands on that person by yourself. God is in you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I'm crucified with Christ so that the life of Christ might be manifest in me. So I'm not there by myself. I'm not doing it by myself. He's there with me. When I lay my hands, it's as good as Jesus' hand being there too. Because if he He's in me. He's in me, right? If I'm one with him, then I'm one with him. Then that means if I put my hand there, it's his hand there. That's why he said, greater work shall you do, because I'm going to the Father. My body's going to be bigger than it ever could be while I was here on the earth, because I'm sending you. You are my body. Mark 16, 17, I'm sorry, 18 through 20. Now, he had just told him, go, preach the gospel to every nation. Then he says, they will lay hands on the sick. And make them well. Then the master Jesus after briefing them. These are the last words he said. Do y'all see that? The last words that he said. They will lay hands on the sick and make them well. The last what? Was that 11 words of Jesus? It's telling us what we're going to do. Jesus after briefing them. Was taken up into heaven. And he sat down. Beside God in the place of honor. And the disciples went everywhere preaching. The master working right with them. Validating the message with indisputable evidence. Indisputable evidence. Oh, glory to God. Amplified classic edition says, By the attesting signs and miracles that closely accompanied it. Amen. And so be it. Amen. Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
changing the culture of the church. Turning this ship back around. We're going to be, he said, when he returns, will he really find faith in the earth? He will at Acceleration Church. I want to see you raised up. I want to see you get past the place where you have to get saved every week. Get past the place where, you know, you're standing on solid ground. And you take territory. And after you take that territory, you're moving on to new territory. I want to see you be the giant killer God called you to be. And I want to see us multiply. I want to see us multiply into the body of Christ that turns humble Texas upside down. This place will be so affected. This area, people are going to come from everywhere, but the people in Humble are going to say, this is our church. This is our church. I'm jealous for Humble. I have a holy calling in Humble. This place, this little, this little shopping center is special. He's called us here. And I decree that we are turning this thing around. There's nothing that can stop us now. Nothing can stop us. Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that you counted us worthy to call us into the ministry, each and every one of us. And Lord, we believe. We believe your word. You want to heal people through us. So Lord, make us aware. Make us aware. I hear you, Lord. Is anybody sick in here today? Stay where you are. I'm going to come to you.